Good morning. We are so grateful that you are with us today. It is a great day to be together. We've got so many visitors amongst us. Uh, I am one, I for one am particularly thankful for all the babies and uh, children that are here with us today. It's always good, as we've said several weeks now, to hear, hear that noise amongst the audience. It's very encouraging, and we're thankful that you're here, uh, whether it's your first time visiting with us or maybe you've been with us uh, before and you're visiting family, and we're thankful that you're here. We're thankful for uh, those who have led us so far this morning, for Chase and leading us in our thoughts in the Lord's Supper, for Don leading us in singing, and we always love to hear our brother Joe pray. And uh, we're just thankful for the chance that brings us together. Just a reminder, uh, several of you, many of you will have plans uh, with your family, maybe headed out for lunch, but we do have some lunch that is uh, prepared here. You can stay with us, and then we'll be gathering together again this afternoon at 1.30 to take a look at a lesson continuing along the thoughts of not necessarily just mothers, but the idea of women who are in the Bible, and we hope that you can be back and, and be a part of that. We do want to take just a moment and wish our mothers happy Mother's Day. Uh, there was a poem that was handed to me just a moment ago by Karen Duncan. It's one that she wrote uh, years ago for her mother. And I want to read it for you uh, just real quick because I think it's a, a fitting tribute that we can make here uh, before we get into our lesson. It's entitled, Thank God for Christian Mothers. She says, Most of all, I'm thankful for my Christian mother because God chose her just for me. He could have given me any other, but he knew his word she'd help me see. While in her womb each day she'd pray a special prayer just for me that God would let her see the day a faithful Christian I would be. From youth, encouraging words filled my days. When disappointments came about, my mother showed me Christian ways to deal with life's heartache and doubt. Right from wrong, she taught me well, her goal in life for me, to go to heaven instead of hell for all eternity. My Christian mother is a special gift the Lord has granted me so prayers I'll never cease to lift because God's word she helped me see. For my Christian mother, I'll always be grateful. Without her guidance, I might be lost today. So to my heavenly father, I'll always be thankful for mom who helped me find the way. We are thankful for the opportunity to honor our mothers today. And uh, we hope that you have a great day and all of our mothers do. Jerry read the card, or at least mentioned the card that was given just a moment ago about Reconnect that we hosted here the last couple of days. We'd been sharing the information with you, letting you know that we'd have about nine couples who would be here. We had a great time, a wonderful time together, all ministers and ministers' wives, uh, specifically thinking about marriage. In years past, this is the fourth year that we've had this. It's been in other locations before. We talked about parenting and marriage and, and working with the congregations and ministry, but this year we focused on our marriages, and we were really excited to have eight other couples here to, that were able to be a part of that, and we had a good day and a half or so uh, enjoying fellowship and sharing about our ministries, but also hearing good lessons. Uh, some of you have seen these on Facebook and recognize that lug that's speaking there, David Farr, uh, who's visited here for many years before he moved down to Orlando and began the work there. Uh, but we're thankful for your support. The elders uh, supported us financially. Many of the ladies helped support us with food and, and gift baskets and things. And, and on behalf of all those who were able to attend, uh, we're extremely thankful for the time that we were able to spend together. My practice has always been to not let the schedule or to not let the calendar dictate the sermon. And I know that's not always been 100% true. Sometimes things happen in the news or in society that cause us to, to use certain lessons. But what happens, though, and what I've realized over the last week is that we don't preach about the birth of Jesus in December because the Bible doesn't tell us to celebrate that as Christmas, but, but then I just maybe don't preach about the birth of Jesus, which is not a good thing. We get to the Easter season, and, and we don't 
preach about the resurrection, and I understand why that's the case, but then sometimes we'll go years without ever thinking about the resurrection. And so the same thing happens on Mother's Day. We say, well, you know, we don't want to preach on the calendar, so we're not going to preach on Mother's on Mother's Day, so then we just end up never preaching about mothers. Now, one excuse or one reason that this sometimes happens is because the sadness that is associated with those who... Uh, Mother's Day for many people, maybe they have lost their mother to death, whether it be a tragic a situation or an accident or maybe someone who was taken too soon, as we say, or maybe it was by natural causes or time. But, but those who have lost their mothers, it's a sad day for them, and so it's easy to avoid. Maybe there's young women who can't have children, and so they say, well, I, it's always hard for me to think about Mother's Day because of the sadness that I feel. Or, or maybe even those young women who have tried to have babies and lost those babies. And, and all of those are sad situations. They are. But, but kind of back to our lesson a couple of weeks ago where we need to understand that if something is true, and it's true that there are mothers, we're all here because of a mother, and we need Christian mothers who follow the Lord, then this lesson is needed. And it should be preached to encourage those who it does apply to. And we're, we're sorry for those who feel sorrow on Mother's Day. We grieve for those who hurt. But it's still true, as the screen says here, that mothers are indispensable. The title of the lesson this morning is that we need Christian mothers who care. We need Christian mothers who care enough. That is our theme for this morning. And I didn't put it in the bulletin because I didn't want to scare you before we got started. But we've got seven points to get through, so let's get going here. All right? Number one, we need Christian mothers who care enough to be the best example they can be. To be the best example they can be. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 21, Peter writes, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example. And that's a little different than mothers, but, but Christ did leave us an example. And so we want our mothers to be the best example that they can be. Now here's the catch. No mothers are perfect. There, there's no perfect mother. We love you. And you're, hopefully your children and your family have a good relationship, and we love everyone, but there's no perfect mothers. But we hope that we have mothers who can honestly say, do as I say and do as I do. You know, sometimes we kind of reverse that, right? Or we, we turn it around and we say, do as I say, but don't, don't do actually what I do because I'm not going to do what I'm telling you to do. We need Christian mothers who say, do as I say and do as I do. You know, if we asked for a show of hands this morning, we won't at this time, but if we asked for a show of hands, how many people in this room today are faithful due to a godly mother's influence? How many people are faithful today? You're here, not because of luck, not because of chance, but because you had a godly mother's influence. A mother's example is probably the most powerful example in life. A spouse uh, a spouse-to-spouse -spouse example uh, is very strong, but probably the mother's example is one of the most powerful in a child's life. Let's notice two biblical examples. If you'd like to turn back to the Old Testament, to 2 Chronicles chapter 22. 
2 Chronicles chapter 22 and verse number 3. We meet King Ahaziah. He's going to be king over Judah. And the Bible is going to mention here not only King Ahaziah, but also his mother, Athaliah. And 2 Chronicles 22 and verse number 3 says, He also walked in the ways of the house of Ahab, for his mother advised him to do wickedly. How tragic. How sad is that for that to be said about Ahaziah and his mother Athaliah. Now, if you remember, it's been a while back that we went through the Old Testament. Years, a couple years ago, we talked about the kings who reigned both in Israel and in Judah. And Athaliah is one who is sometimes counted among the people, the kings of Judah. Some people don't because they call her the usurper. The usurper, because when her son is killed, she takes over the throne. She was not a good woman, and she advised her son to do wickedly. Unfortunately, we have some examples of this, don't we, even in our world today? Have you ever seen on a movie or a TV show, or maybe even seen it in your own life, a mother who sadly is teaching her children to maybe shoplift? She's trying to get some things, and she's wanting to shoplift and steal these things, but, but she includes her children. Here, hide these things. They'll never check a child, and she's able to get away with it by teaching her children to do wickedly. And that's very, very sad. But as you see on the screen here, we also think about 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 5, where Paul says that Timothy's genuine faith that was in both Lois, his grandmother, and Eunice, his mother. It's seen. We see your genuine faith, and we know that it came from this great line of women who set good examples. So both bad and good are included here. But we need mothers who care enough to be the best example they can be. Mothers need to be discreet, chaste, and good. Titus chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. They need to be modeling behavior for their children to imitate. Again, do as I say and do as I do. You may recall that in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 39 and verse number 4, there's a question that's asked that doesn't exactly go along with mothers, but we might can make a, a spiritual application. In Isaiah 39 and verse 4, Isaiah or God is speaking to King Hezekiah. And, and King Hezekiah has had a, a Babylonian envoy, ambassadors, if you will, come to his house, and he's shown them everything. Just opened up every door, and God says there in Isaiah 39 and verse 4, what have they seen in your house? There's a physical sense here, and Isaiah is being called, or excuse me, Hezekiah is being called to the carpet for opening up his doors to the Babylonian, and there's a great discussion to be had there, but what have they seen in your house? Make a spiritual application, mothers. What do people see in your house? What do your kids see in your house? You know, children are only in our homes for a limited time. The best number that I could find, trying to break it down, is someone said that there are 940 Saturdays or 940 weekends between birth and age 18. Now, I'm not in the business of trying to make all the mothers upset and cry this morning, right? Some of you are in the middle of 1 to 50 or 100, and some of us have gotten a lot closer to 940. And while that seems like a large number, many of us can attest to it's gone just like that. We only have a few 
days and a limited time in our home. And you know what the other catch is? There are no second chances, right? Can't get any of that time back. We need Christian mothers who care enough to be the best example they can be. Number two, we need Christian mothers who care enough to commit to being the main female influence that their children have. You know, influence has always been a powerful word, right? But it's becoming even more powerful in today's society. If you know a young person who bears the name influence and it goes along with Instagram, it can be worth millions of dollars to be an influencer. So yes, influence is important. And when children are young, they need the influence of their mom, their mothers in their lives more than any other woman. Some of you mothers have been blessed to stay home, maybe homeschool your kids or to be around them a lot more. Some of you have maybe had to work and you've sent your kids to school or public or private school and there's nothing right or wrong about either one of those. But even if you're separated from your children most of the day for a good part of their growing life, we need to still be reminded that children need their moms more than they need other female influences. And again, back to social media, we talked about that this weekend at Reconnect. It is affecting us constantly. And if you are not being the godly influence, she will, he will find an influence from Instagram or Facebook or some other social media site. You know, even grandmothers, right? I'm going to get in trouble if I start bad-mouthing grandmothers, right? But grandmothers are grand. But a child needs their mom to be the main influence. And yes, I realize that sometimes that's not possible for various reasons. Maybe the mother has died and a grandmother or an aunt or another female family member has to step in. That happens sometimes. But God's design was for the mother to be active in their child's life and to be a godly mother. You know, mom's most important role is in life is in the home. Women can work. There's nothing wrong with that. But her number one role has to be in the home. And the issue is, is that sometimes jobs and hobbies and other things can get in the way. And we get so caught up in those things. Other pursuits and interests should not be a hindrance. We're not going to take the time this morning because of not having enough, but in Proverbs chapter 31, beginning in verse 10, right? The virtuous woman, you probably heard that before. It's great to think about how that woman is a mother and what she does and how her family is first, her children are first. I can be a great preacher, but I need to first be a Christian father. I enjoy saying I'm the preacher with the Saudi Church of Christ, but my most important role is to be a Christian father. A woman, a mother can be a great teacher. She can be a CEO. She can even be a politician. But first, she needs to be a Christian mother. When God said in Titus chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, we've already referenced it quickly, but when he said to be sober, to love that women mothers are to love their husbands and to love their children, that they are to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, God meant it. He meant that. And God understands what is best for everyone. So when he tells us these things, we need to follow them. Number three, we need Christian mothers who care enough to really love their children. We've, again, referenced Titus 2, 4, and 5. Teaches women ought to love their children. How many, how many tragic accounts have you heard of mothers abandoning their children? 
or mothers who abuse their own children. They horrify us to hear those kinds of things. If you've ever dealt with adoption or you've ever dealt with foster care, those are heartbreaking stories to hear. But Christian mothers cherish the joy that their children bring them. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 7, Paul says, Paul says, we were gentle among you. How, Paul? How would you describe to these people that you've been gentle among them? He says, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. You see, I got that. I understand that. To know that Paul was gentle among them, that's a great description. Christian mothers cherish their children. Can I say it this way? God loves children, and so should you and I. We should love children in a general sense, but specifically as mothers, as Christian mothers, we need Christian mothers who care enough to really love their children. Number four, we need Christian mothers who care enough to support the husband's role as head of the home. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 18, Paul would write and say, Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Now, that doesn't have to be submit to any husband, right? To, to just any male, but wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. We haven't mentioned it yet, but one of the great passages that we usually reference is Ephesians chapter 5, right? Ephesians 5, through 24. God determined that the, that the husband should be the head of the home. And, of course, in that parallel way of Ephesians and Colossians, Ephesians 5, verse 22, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Faithful Christian mothers accept and live out their roles. They accept their role that's God-given, and they live that out. Let me ask you a question. I want to ask you, and I want to explain, but how many times is this the issue in the home? Not the only issue, maybe not always the biggest issue, but how many times is this idea of God-given roles in the family the issue in our homes today? Today, how many times? What about when the children become the parents, right? The children start being the parents because the parents aren't doing their job. And so the children become the parents. It's not the way it's supposed to be. What about when the wife takes on the husband's role? What about when the husband takes on the wife's role? When you start messing with roles in the home, things go awry. Things go wrong in a hurry. And and I'll just be honest, that is why we have issues sometimes with two moms or two dads. Now, I know there's other issues that we associate with that, but when we mess with God's plan for the home and the God-given roles that we are to fill, something is missing because it isn't God's plan. That's not the way that it should be. And by the way, talking about roles, what is it in the same way about the church? What about when the deacons try to become the elders or the minister tries to be an elder, or other ways in which we get outside of God's roles, God's design for the church. When we mess with his plan, things go wrong in the church and certainly in the home. We need Christian mothers 
who will live out and accept their roles. Christian mothers, show your children what it means to first submit to God and his arrangement, secondly, of authority in the home, and let's add even thirdly, in the church. We need Christian mothers who care enough to support the husband's role as head of the home. Number five, we need Christian mothers who care enough to know what their children are doing. Did you know that Proverbs chapter 31, the virtuous woman, and verse number 27 says, she watches over the ways of her household. Brothers and sisters, friends, please hear me clearly. And I say it with all love in my heart for you and your family. But there is a difference between blind trust and true love for your children. But often we get those reversed or certainly mixed together. Somebody says, well, I love my children. I'm going to trust them 100%. You know, I heard a story, a preacher story. It's kind of funny because I was thinking about it again last night. Now, it obviously is a pre-cell phone story, right? Some of you remember a time where you weren't carrying away for your parents to get in touch with you wherever you went. But the story goes that a young man says to his dad, Dad, I'm going to go spend the night with friends. The dad says, well, whose house? And also, I need their phone number, please. The young man says, Dad, don't you trust me? Are you really going to call them? Dad says, you better believe it. Yes, I will. And you won't know when I'm going to call that night. But I'm going to call and I'm going to check on you. Of course, the young man says, Dad, Dad, don't you trust me? Don't you trust me? And the dad says, no, I don't trust you. You're 17. I remember being 17. I know better than to trust you at 17 years old because I made mistakes. And I saw others make mistakes. And no, you've not proven yourself fully trustworthy. That is, as some people would say, they'd say, well, that's not love. And that is not true. We can have true love for our children and also not just blindly trust that they're always going to do 100% of the time what is perfectly right. Are you connected to their lives? Do you know who their friends are? Do you know who they're talking to? Do you know where they're going? Do you know what they're watching on TV? Do you know what they're watching on YouTube? My mother-in-law tells horror stories of 2020 and 2021 when we said, oh, let's just give every kid a computer and we'll send it home with them, right? So they can do school from home during the, the pandemic and while we're locked down and things. And, and the IT people said, it's okay. We'll put protection on it, right? They won't be able to access things, pornography or other terrible things. And yet she could walk by at school and see kids who have either found the back door around the protection or some other way to access all sorts of vile and evil things that are out there for us to fill our minds with. Do you know what they're doing? Do you know who they are connected with, what's happening in their lives? Be actively involved in your child's life. Set guidelines. Enforce them. Friends, souls are at stake. We're not just making it up. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 26, Jesus says a statement that applied then and it applies to this. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? The answer too often in this world is he'll give up his computer or his internet access. He'll give all these other things so that he can have some pleasure and fun here and miss out and lose his soul. We need Christian mothers who are active in their children's lives.
Number six, we need mothers who care enough to show their children how to act godly. You remember the words of the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 in verse number 1. So plain, so simple, imitate me. Why, Paul? Because you're perfect? Because you got it all figured out? Because you're the one that's above everybody else? He says, imitate me as I also imitate Christ. That's the plan. Even as we've already talked about example, mothers should be able to say, yes, be like me. But not because I'm perfect and have it all figured out, but because I am trying to be like Christ. Teach them to act like children of light and not children of darkness. We've got enough darkness in this world. We've got enough tragedy. We've got enough sad situations. We've got enough sin and evil. We don't need more darkness. We need children of light. And we are blessed with an opportunity and yes, even you who are maybe still mothers, of your children have gotten older though. Maybe they're even out of the home. And maybe you have the grandchildren now. You still have an opportunity to show your children how to act godly. A few things. This includes how to be a modest person, both in dress and in behavior. You know, the problem with modesty is that it's often a heart issue. It's often an attitude we know that one of the main passages in the New Testament that discusses it actually discusses, rather than too little clothing, too much clothing. How can it do that? Because it's a heart issue. It's an attitude. Modesty not only in dress, but modesty also in behavior. Number two, we need to show them how to act godly when it comes to dating relationships. Unfortunately, that often involves strict rules when it comes to members of the opposite gender. They don't want that. They don't like that. Their friends more than likely don't have that. But if we love them and we want to show them how to be godly, we'll have these things. Number three, keeping their speech pure and kind. You remember Paul's, again, encouragement in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification. He goes on in verse 31 to say, let evil speaking be put away from you. Be kind. You know, it's sad sometimes when we're at the ballpark or the ball field or the gym or something and we hear children using foul language and say, well, where did you hear that? Because sometimes parents don't keep their speech pure and kind. We need Christian mothers who care enough to show their children how to act godly. And last but not least, we need Christian mothers who care enough to teach their children the word of God. We've been emphasizing stewardship on Wednesday nights. We've been going through uh, the material, The Joy of Generosity by our brother Kyle Butt. We've talked about how the idea of giving of the first fruits of God is not just a New Testament thing. It wasn't something that just came into the mind of God or the Holy Spirit or the mind of Paul, but it began all the way back in Deuteronomy and Exodus as God says, when you are making these sacrifices, when you're doing these things, give first to God. Guess what? Teaching your children to love the Word of God didn't just come about in the book of Ephesians or in the New Testament. We're familiar with Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. Moses would write, and these words. What's these words? Well, right before that, he gives them what we call, or they call the Shema or the Shema, the love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And these words, which I command you today, shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk in the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Basically, everywhere you go, every waking moment, every chance that you have, 
You need to teach them the word of God. And by the way, every moment is a teachable moment in your day. Maybe it's Bible time. Maybe your family takes a few moments and you pray or you go through some type of devotional or Bible time. Maybe it's other examples that come up. You ever had a kid have a, one of your kids have a problem at school, right? They come home, they talk about someone being a bully, someone being mean, a teachable, teachable moment to say that's not how God wants us to be. Here's how we need to appropriately react. And the thing about this last point is when both parents are Christians, this can be done together. When both parents love the Lord, love his word, and want their children to do right, this can be done together. But maybe, just maybe in our audience this morning, there is a Christian mother who has to do all of the spiritual instruction. This is challenging, but it's not impossible. If we go back over the course of time, there have been lots of other people, lots of other mothers who have faced that problem and been able to do it. So don't give up. You may be discouraged. But whatever situation you're in, godly father, godly mother, or just a Christian mother, teach your children, care enough about your children to teach them the word of God. What a great blessing mothers are. We truly need Christian mothers who care. And please notice, notice, we need Christian mothers. There's lots of mothers and, and, by the way, there are lots of good mothers, right? You, you may have known someone when you were in school or, or a friend of yours who, who had a, a good mother, someone who made sure her kil- children were fed, took care of them, made sure they were where they were supposed to be on time and had the things they needed. But the first step to being the mother that you really should be, because sure, there probably have been good mothers, the first step is to be a Christian mother. The first step to being the mother, the father, the wife, the husband, the grandparent, the teenager, whatever gender, whatever age you are or place in life you are, the first step is to be a Christian. A Christian mother, a Christian wife, a Christian grandparent, a Christian teenager or young person. You need to be a Christian. And so we end our service this morning, as we usually do, by extending heaven's invitation singing a song of encouragement that through its words you might be encouraged to put Christ on in baptism. If you're here this morning and you've never been obedient to God's simple plan of salvation, we sing to encourage you. You can believe the word of God, repent of your sins, which means to change your mind but also change your life, and confess Jesus as Lord even before an audience such as this this day. You can then be baptized for the remission of sins where you come in contact with the blood of Christ. It is what has the power to take away sins, and the Lord will add you to his church. Maybe you're here, and you've done that in times past, but you've wandered away. Maybe there's some type of sin in your life that you'd like to make known in a public fashion. One of our elders will be coming to the front in just a moment to pray with you and for you. We are thankful that not only can we become a child of God, but it's not over the first time we mess up. The first time a mother messes up, the first time a father messes up, it's not the end. We can enjoy God's second law of pardon. And maybe you need to come back to him because you've struggled to remain faithful. Maybe you're here this morning and you need the prayers of the church to encourage you in some difficult situation that you're going through. There is no better time than now. There's no better group of people who love you more in this moment to pray with you and for you than even now as we stand together and as we sing.